good evening and welcome back to another mini Monday. Today's episode is going to be a little different than the other mini episodes. Um, we're going to start off with the story this time because I, I feel like what I read in this story is really, I mean, it, it's impactful. It's more impactful than something that I could have come up with on my own. Um, I'll follow it up with facts and all that, but today's episode, the story comes from my friend Teresa. Um, Teresa has suffered from epilepsy since she was 11 years old, and I have been fortunate enough to be friends with Teresa for a really long time, and we don't talk much, but... When I was looking at what I wanted to do for this episode, I saw her profile picture just come up all of a sudden, and I was like, oh my god, I need to message Teresa. She has really been through some stuff, and I think that she's a very strong woman because of it. Something that I really love about Teresa um is the fact that she is a very open individual. Um, anytime that we've hung out or talked, it always ends up getting so deep and personal. And she just has one of those energies about her that you feel like you can tell her anything. And like what she has to tell you is so important. She just has one of those energies. I, I can't even explain it. Um, before I begin, I wanted to give a trigger warning for depression, injuries, thoughts of death, feelings of isolation, thoughts of suicide, and bruising. But without further ado, this is Teresa's write-in story for mini-episode number three. I was diagnosed with epilepsy when I was 11 years old. I had my first grand mal seizure ever at 3.30 a.m. while sleeping in bed with my mom. I don't remember it at all, but my dad told me he thought I was possessed. I do remember getting out of bed to pee in the middle of the night like I did most nights, but this night my mom and dad were right there walking with me. And there were two EMTs and a stretcher in the living room. I had no idea what was happening. The neurologist finally explained it to me, as best as one could to a scared 11-year-old, that my brain was like a computer. Sometimes there's too many tabs open and the computer crashes. That's a seizure. My brain can't comprehend all of the electricity, and it misfires, causing a seizure. It kinda sorta made sense enough for me to shrug and say okay. Of course, we ran all the tests and everything necessary, but without a known head injury or a previous family history, the doctor told me it was most likely a one-off thing. When I had another one three months later, Again, in the early morning while sleeping, he said it was common with prepubescent teens who have seizures due to changing hormones. 
and that they would likely stop when my puberty hormones regulated, probably around 18 years old. I was put on anti-seizure medicine and sent on my way. So throughout my teen years, the same pattern continued like clockwork. Every three or four months, I'd have a grand mal seizure in the early morning hours while sleeping. I don't remember any of them. I don't know if I have no memory because they were big seizures and I blacked out, or simply because I was already asleep when they started. All I remember from those events, which must have totaled approximately 30 seizures, was that I was so groggy the next day. I had a head-splitting migraine and was extremely sensitive to sound, light, and even temperature. My feet always felt heavy like I had bricks strapped to them. When I turned 18, they stopped for three years. I thought they were done, and I was free. I was in college, had friends, and I felt normal. I waited the mandatory two years and then some, just to be sure, of being seizure-free before I applied for my license. I passed the test and studied with my permit, then got my license. I didn't have a car at the time, but hey, I was broke. Then shortly after my 21st birthday, about five months or so, I had a seizure while on campus. I was at an event with all my friends and I just dropped. I felt it starting about five seconds before it happened. I don't really know how I knew what was happening. I just knew. Maybe some innate part of my brain remembered the feeling from before, even though I had been asleep. When I came to, the first thing I saw was my mom running toward me, and I started crying because I knew deep down that seizures were a part of me. I felt like my whole life was being ripped from me. My freedom and independence any sense of true self that I had was taken from me because I knew in that moment that this thing, these seizures, would always be there, lurking over me, just waiting for me at any moment. They continued happening, but now they were more sporadic. During the day while I was in class, at work, at night while sleeping, Again, the doctors ran tests and increased my medicine and tried new medicine. Nothing was working. And they had no idea what was happening. I was told I had psychogenic non-epileptic seizures, PNES, caused by chemical imbalances in the brain. These are seizures related to stress, biological or emotional problems, even a lack of nutrition or sleep deprivation. Basically, any chemical imbalance in my brain could potentially be a trigger. When I asked them if the test showed any imbalance or sign as to what might be triggering them, they said, nope, looks all good. Fuck yourself. That's not all good. Something is wrong, and the doctors didn't help at all. The solution was more medicine and take it easy. Sir, I'm in college. 
Mind you, I already failed a year's worth of multiple classes at this point because I've missed so much work and class due to seizures, migraines, and absences that I couldn't catch up on, but I digress. So I began seizure therapy. Basically, my mom drove me an hour to Akron once a week to see a specialist at the Cleveland Clinic. These were hour-long appointments with a therapist who basically taught me how to breathe during panic attacks and how to voice my feelings better when I felt like I wasn't being listened to when it came to feelings about my seizures. I never truly understood how much I felt like a burden until those sessions. I would have thought, like, I can't go out to this show tonight with my friends because if I have a seizure, then someone is going to have to leave and take me home or call my mom and they're going to have to put a pause on their night. It's going to be a downer. No one wants to deal with me. I just won't go. I know people hate it when this happens, but nobody says it. Similarly, I'd think things like, oh god, I don't even want to go to class today because it's going to happen again like it does every other day. Things will have to halt. They'll have to call EMTs and people will talk and think I'm faking for attention. I know so-and-so doesn't like me. I should just skip. And so I would. It's part of how I failed multiple classes and had to extend what should have been a four-year degree program into six years. During this time, there was a light in the darkness. I was able to go six months seizure-free. I felt hope creep in, and I got my license back, I bought a car, I drove it for two and a half weeks. The first time I went to go pick up my best friend, I had a seizure while driving with her in the passenger seat. We were a block from her house. I blacked out as it started. I don't remember it, but I remember the absolute panic I felt when I felt it starting. The horror as I tried to reach down and put the car in park, but I couldn't control my arm, and the fear in her voice as she called my name. Then I remember waking up at home. Thankfully, everything was alright. She was able to park the car and move me after it ended. She drove me home, and my mom drove her home. I will always be traumatized from that night. I could have killed us both, and it wouldn't even have been my fault, technically. Even if I go two, three, five years seizure-free, I will remember that night. I honestly don't think I'll ever want to drive again. I took therapy sessions for a year and finished the program, learned proper breathing techniques, and was deemed a success by doctors. I was taking my medicine, but I was more stressed than ever. I wasn't on track to graduate. I was failing. I'd gone through a heart-wrenching breakup, and I felt lost and alone. I felt like I was living with a stalker. I never knew when the next seizure would happen. Where I would be, or who I would be with. What would I be doing? Will I be alone and fall and hurt myself? Will this be the time I crack my head open and die? 
Will my mom find me and scream when she sees my cold, pale body? I was consumed by thoughts like this. I had wonderful friends at school. I really did. But when we would hang out, I never told them I was struggling with anything like this because I didn't want to be any more of a burden than I already felt just by having seizures to begin with. I felt the act was troublesome enough. God forbid I have feelings about what's happening to me. I didn't tell anyone until I felt so alone, so isolated that these thoughts consumed me and my only consolation was smoking weed. It was the only thing that made me feel somewhat better. I could get high and be numb, be happy. I'd be with friends and forget at least for a little while. I'd giggle and joke around and it was nice. But once I was alone, I'd keep smoking because I didn't want the high to end. I never let myself consider harder substances because I didn't want that for myself. And I couldn't drink because that causes seizures. I felt stuck. Alone. I realized one day that I liked the sadness. It was the only emotion that I had been used to for so long. I couldn't remember the last time I had gone a day without crying or smoking, crying, smoking, etc. And one day while on the bus on my way to school, I had the thought in my loneliness, no one actually cared. Everyone has their own lives, their own problems, their own agendas pushing them forward to whatever their lives have in store for them. I thought about how I would kill myself. I walked into the building, empty midday, midweek. All the classes were in session. I went into the bathroom and locked myself in the handicapped stall where I collapsed on the floor and had a mental breakdown. I cried quietly and stared at the pipes under the sink, thinking about if I would overdose on pills or shoot myself. All the options I had, and what would be the least traumatic for my parents. It was so conflicting and terrifying because a voice in my head was screaming for help, but no one walked into the bathroom to help me. I realized after some time that if I truly wanted help, that I needed to stand up for myself and go ask for it. And I did. And... To this day, it was the hardest thing that I have ever done, and the thing I am most proud of. I walked into the nearest classroom, and a dear friend was able to sit with me for a long while and help me. I told her everything that had been happening in my life. All the feelings I'd been having. Thoughts and emotions. It got better after that. There was an outpouring of love and support from my closest friends who realized I'd been struggling for so long. I started feeling better and, and doing better too. My stress level lowered and I was still having seizures, but not quite as often. I wasn't feeling the dire need to be high all the time. My grades got better 
as did my attendance. I ended my college career happy and healthy and on the dean's honor list. Shortly after finishing college, my stress levels severely decreased, as did my levels of depression. I think deep down I knew I didn't want to be there anymore. The first friends I had made in school had already finished and I was still there. I was letting myself wallow and it was making my mood worse. As soon as I graduated, I felt the cloud lift, so to speak, and I felt happy again, truly happy. I got a job. I had a plan, somewhat. The world was mine. I was still having migraines and seizures, but instead of weekly occurrences or multiple times a week, it slowed to maybe once or twice a month, and then even fewer after that. I was able to start pinpointing that my seizure triggers are high stress levels and caused by panic or anxiety attacks. Of course, I can't exactly control when I have a panic attack, but at least I can do my breathing exercises, etc. to help when it occurs, to help prevent an oncoming seizure. I've been living with seizures for 18 years. In that time, I've had probably over 100 episodes. I've had grand mal seizures and simple partial seizures that I've been somewhat awake for and remember. It's always hard to describe the memory and certainly near impossible to describe the feeling of a seizure to someone who has never experienced one. It's terrifying. A complete loss of control over your body. To be awake in your brain and know who, where, and what you are, but have no control over your motor skills. And to feel all of your muscles tighten and spasm at the same time while trying with every ounce of your strength you think you have to at least open your mouth and make a noise in your throat, but nothing you try works. In those moments, you are utterly helpless. I've had quite a few seizure-related injuries. I've fallen and hit my head a few times, leading to bruising and goose eggs. I was once on the toilet, TMI, and I felt it starting. I knew I had about five seconds before it fully took over and I could either lay on the ground and be safer or stay on the toilet and try to wipe and maybe fall over if I didn't finish in time. I lay down. And when I woke up, I found that I hit my eye on the bottom corner of the cabinet. I have pictures attached. I was once walking barefoot with my boyfriend in the park, and when it started, my feet were still on the pavement. He had my head cradled in his lap so it wouldn't hit the sidewalk, but my feet were kicking and scraping. I ripped multiple toenails off and skin on my feet. I, it took a month to heal. I've broken my foot from kicking the seat in front of me on an airplane having multiple seizures in a row and was in a boot for eight weeks. It's not been easy or pretty. The truth has been painful and scary, but this is what I've lived through. There have been times that I've been seizing while my mom was upstairs or my boyfriend in the other room and I've tried with all my might to just scream or make a noise so that they know to come help me. But I couldn't. It's a terrifying helplessness. 
like nothing else. To be in one's own body, awake and aware, but have no control over what's happening, and paired with the knowledge that this can happen anywhere at any time. It's really like living with a stalker. I'm at a point in my life now where it's just a part of me. I'm calm and happy. I've eliminated any excess stressors from my life. If I sense something causing unnecessary stress, I say, nope, not today. I'm fortunate to have loving and supporting people all around me who help and listen and understand what I need and go through. I understand now more than ever what my triggers are and I pay attention to help prevent seizures. I think the trauma I've endured makes it so I won't ever truly feel comfortable being by myself. I'll always need to have someone around me to check on me or to be there. It's something I've accepted and embraced. As of today, my last seizure was on 7-30-2023. I still have weird feelings every single day. My head goes a bit fuzzy and I get sort of dizzy. Sometimes it lasts for 30 seconds. Sometimes it lasts for 5 to 10 minutes. But I breathe and focus and it goes away. They happen when I get really anxious or nervous or excited or mad. I hope this has given insight into my life with a seizure disorder. I'm always more than happy to talk about it and educate people. My hope is that someone just might need to hear it to know they're not alone. Or maybe hear the right information to know how to help. And so that was Teresa's story. Um, Before we go on, I want to say that she also attached the Suicide and Crisis Hotline number. Um, If you or someone you know is struggling with thoughts of suicide or self-harm, please call or text 988 because there's somebody out there who would miss you. And you are never alone. No matter what's going on. Teresa's also attached a few pictures. Um, those will be up on my Instagram pretty much as soon as I post this episode. Um, yeah. That? Wow. Um, that was a lot. And Teresa, I want you to know that I say that, meaning that I never really understood how much you went through. Um, and it's crazy to me because you're right when you told me that a lot of people don't see it as a disability, um, because they don't. When I had decided to do this on seizures, it was purely because of you, Teresa, because I knew that you always, always were battling with it, and I felt like somebody else probably was too, and I thank you. And I'm sure that lots of other people thank you for putting your story out here for other people to listen to. I think that you guys' write-in stories are always amazing. But, you know, sometimes, like, this kind of stuff just hits me. 
I know why I'm doing this podcast. I'm, I'm doing it because I want people to feel like they can talk about it and open up and that they feel like somebody cares. But then I go and I read you guys' stories and they're heart-wrenching to me because I, I do understand how difficult it is now to deal with to a point. But then I start to hear about it and I realize that so many people are fighting silent battles. Today, I'm only going to say a few things about seizures. I just want to list the types of seizures and what might be possibly causing them. Because I don't feel like I need to put anything else into this. I feel like learning and hearing from a survivor of epilepsy is more powerful, is more informational, is more real than hearing from me, someone who has never had to experience it, someone who has only ever seen one person have a couple of seizures. And it's just, it's crazy. It's one of those diseases that you... You just feel so heart-wrenched because the people that it happens to feel helpless. Like, they feel like they have no control over it. And so I'm really glad that I get to share Teresa's story with all of you. So, on to the different types of seizures, okay? According to Johns Hopkins... Seizure symptoms vary and can include a sudden change in awareness or full loss of consciousness, unusual sensations or thoughts, involuntary twitching or stiffness in the body, or severe stiffening and limb shaking with loss of consciousness or a convulsion. There are two major classes or groups of seizures, focal onset and generalized onset. Focal onset seizures start in one area and can spread across the brain and cause mild or severe symptoms, depending on how the electrical discharge is spread. Generalized seizures can start as focal seizures that spread to both sides of the brain. They can also occur as generalized onset seizures, in which seizure activity starts simultaneously over both sides of the brain. Generalized onset seizures usually start during childhood, and are similar to thermostat surge or a light flash. Abnormal regulation between parts of the brain causes the seizures. Seizures of all kinds are commonly treated with medication and if they're difficult to control with diet therapy, nerve stimulation, or surgery. It is important for a doctor to get an accurate seizure diagnosis in order to implement the most appropriate kind of treatment Focal and generalized onset seizures usually have different causes, and accurately diagnosing seizure types often helps identify the cause for the seizures. Whether or not the doctor can determine the cause for an individual's seizures, treatment will likely mean medication. Seizures that are difficult to control may be improved with nerve stimulation or diet therapy. Patients whose seizures are due to focal scar or other lesions of the brain may be good candidates for epilepsy surgery. Then it goes on to talk about the focal or partial seizures. Focal seizures are also called partial seizures since they begin in one area of the brain. 
They can be caused by any type of focal injury that leaves scar tangles. Medical history or MRI will identify causes such as trauma, stroke, or meningitis in about half of the people who have focal seizures. Developmental scars, ones that occur as part of fetal and early growth of the brain, are common causes of focal seizures in children. And it goes on to what happens, what happens when a focal seizure goes on. And it pretty much summarizes that as seizure spreads across the brain, more symptoms appear. So the person might feel confused or dazed or experience minor shaking, muscle stiffening or fumbling or chewing motions. Focal seizures can cause altered awareness and is called a focal unaware seizures or complex partial seizures. Now, focal seizures can evolve into major events that can spread to the entire brain and cause a tonic-clonic seizure, which is also a grand mal seizure. Um, these seizures are important to treat because if you could treat them, it can prevent a larger seizure, which can cause respiratory problems and injuries. Then it goes on to talk about generalized onset seizures. Um, we're just going to kind of jump down to where it talks about the types because I feel like Teresa has already explained so much about what it is. Let's just get more definitive about what it is. Absent seizures, which are petite mal seizures, occur in childhood, which is called childhood absence epilepsy. It shows up as a brief staring episodes in children, usually starting between ages four and six. Children usually outgrow these. Juvenile absence epilepsy starts slightly later and can persist into adulthood. People with these kinds of seizures may develop tonic-clonic seizures in addition to absence of seizures in adults. Myoclonic seizures um, consist of your body or limbs that just jerk. Um, just all of a sudden you'll just be sitting there and you just jerk random parts of your body. Um, this happens especially in the morning um, when it's a myoclonic seizure. When these seizures develop in adolescence along with tonic-clonic seizures, they are part of a syndrome which is called juvenile myoclonic epilepsy. People can also have myelonic seizures as part of other epilepsy-related conditions. There's also seizures called tonic and atonic seizures, or drop attacks. And some people, usually those with multiple brain injuries and intellectual disability, have tonic seizures consisting of sudden stiffness in the arms and legs, which can cause falls and injuries. Many persons with tonic seizures have a syndrome called Lennox-Gastaut syndrome. This condition may involve intellectual disability, um, multiple seizure types, including tonic seizures. People with Lennox-Gastaut syndrome can have a distinctive EEG pattern called slow spike and wave. Tonic, clonic, and tonic-clonic, formerly called grand mal seizures, are seizures that can evolve from any of the focal or generalized seizure types. For example, a focal seizure can spread to both sides of the brain and cause tonic-clonic seizures. 
A cluster of myoclonic seizures can become continuous and evolve into tonic-clonic seizures. Generalized onset of tonic-clonic seizures can occur alone or as part of another syndrome in which the juvenile myoclonic epilepsy or juvenile absence epilepsy occurs during adulthood. I hope that that was informative to you. Um, I'm trying to get better at being able to give information without shoving information to people. Um, so, yeah, I guess that that is the end of this episode. I really feel like I got to learn a lot, and I feel like you guys will get to learn a lot, too. It's actually really amazing how many people are actually listening to this podcast. Um, next week, the episode will be on POTS. It's actually a listener's choice episode. Um, somebody had requested it, and they're writing in. So if anybody else would like to write in about having POTS, or if somebody that they know has POTS and they want to talk about their experiences, you can email me. Um, it's the same email as the Instagram username, if he's like that podcast at gmail.com. Um, please send me anything that you guys want, whether it's just a suggestion or something that you want to talk about, or it's a write-in and you can make your write-in on anything. And I will build an episode around whatever you write in. I want this to be be not just me thinking of ideas. I want this to be you guys wanting to talk about things and learn about things. So please just email me, follow me on Instagram, um, Podbean, Spotify. Um, and actually, I will be posting those pictures from Teresa right as I post this episode. Um, but also, at the end of Teresa's email... She sent me a list of, or I guess not a list, more like a set of instructions of what to do if you see someone that has a seizure. So I will also be posting that in the Instagram post. Um, you guys will be able to see uh, quite a few um, gruesome-esque pictures um, from things that have just happened to Teresa um, and I really hope that this episode was very informative to you guys. I am going to kind of try and switch up how I do these episodes a little more. Maybe start trying to do a mini Monday every other, or like every two weeks, um, or every three weeks or however that works. So then I would do two main episodes in a row. Um... But it's just going to depend on how I decide to structure the rest of these podcasts. Um, we're only on episode 6, so like I said, a lot of things are going to change. But I'm hoping to have it pretty much finalized in a couple of months, you know? Um, I appreciate you guys being on this journey with me. It's honestly been so rewarding. Um, right now, uh, I'm going to post a picture of this on my Instagram, too. Um... Right now, I'm actually recording in my brand new beanbag chair that I got as a late Christmas gift. Um, it's the um, Big Joe Lotus or something like that. And it's like white and it's fluffy and it's beautiful. Um, 
I will actually be getting a new studio set up um, because we are reorganizing our entire apartment. I'll be having a new studio set up, so I might start being able to have guests. Uh, it just depends on how this lays out. You know, right now it's kind of just in our minds. It's not quite put out there yet. Um, so wish me luck <laughs> because... I have a certain idea in my head, and I just don't know if it's actually feasible with the space that we have. So, maybe my sound quality will change. Maybe I'll have guest speakers. I mean, I really want to. I feel like just hearing my voice the whole time is boring. Um, but, yeah. So, if you guys have anything that you want to say, if you have anything that you want to share, please email me at itbeeslikethatpodcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at itbeeslikethatpodcast. And I will see you guys next week with our main episode on POTS.